Well, thank you for allowing me to come and uh, share a few things with you guys this morning. Um, I've been a family physician um, for 19 years. I work at the Bozeman Clinic, and it's a privilege because all of the doctors and the business manager there are Christian. So it's really a special place. But not all the staff are Christian because obviously we can't discriminate in our hiring practices. Um, many of my patients are Christians, but also many of them are not. So it's a good mix of what the real world is like. And the real world, as you know, is hurting. And the bottom line is that all need Jesus Christ as Savior. So being a, mi a missionary in the workplace and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever God puts you is the most important thing, obviously. As a doctor, uh, I've had the privilege to have meaningful conversations with patients. Obviously, when people are coming to me with their health problems, perhaps it's easier to get into deeper topics of faith when you have that privilege of relationship. Um, but I'm also able to talk with the staff that I work with. Um, the staff that I work with may respect my position as a doctor and also as their boss. So perhaps maybe they don't want to listen about faith discussions, but they're too afraid to tell me no because I'm the boss, so we'll talk about it. But uh, just want to encourage you, you know, when I was a grocery store checker, or an ER nurse's aide, I still had plenty of conversations with people, coworkers that were having troubles, encouraging them, so you don't have to be a doctor to have these deep conversations. You can have conversations no matter what your job is. You can be a light no matter where God puts you, and um, you know, perhaps when I was checking vegetables across the scanner at the grocery store, maybe I could still be a bright light for that grumpy guy coming through the stand, and maybe he would wonder, why was I different? So when you're a Christian, Obviously, you have to be ready at any time to give a defense for your faith. And uh, from 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks your reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So for this chapel, I'm going to share seven ways to live the Christian life in the workplace that may lead to an opportunity to share the gospel with those that you're around. And I'll share some of the things that I do. I'll share examples. But obviously, this isn't about me. This is about the way the Lord works and the way that he works in each of us. So I hope this encourages you with practical ways to share the good news about Jesus Christ. So I'm going to talk about how to reflect Christ, being a fisher of men, using the Holy Spirit's wisdom, encouraging people with his word, inviting people to church or your Bible study or whatnot, praying with people, and then most importantly, yourself abiding in Christ so that you can do these things. So the first thing, reflecting Christ, from Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So obviously, uh, we need to, as Christians, be living in such a way that people will see our good works, wonder why we're different, um, have a consistency of character that hopefully will show them Christ. And so sometimes with patients, I'll be praised by them. They'll say, oh, I always love to come and see you. You're so kind. Um, you make me feel better. How do you keep such a positive attitude? And I have to be careful with this um, and to be gracious with praise and try to deflect that and give God the glory and not give in to my own sinful pride about, oh, yeah, I'm doing a pretty good job, aren't I? It's like, no, it's about the Lord and how he works. So sometimes that may just be a simple thank you um, because perhaps they're already seeing God in your life and you don't have to say much more. Um, I know Pastor Brian here at Grace will sometimes say, preach the gospel, sometimes use words. So sometimes just the way you live 
speaks volumes and you don't have to say much more. So sometimes when people praise me, I'll just say thank you and hope they see the Lord. But other times it's good to give direct credit to him. Um, when they notice a difference in your demeanor, sometimes I'll just try to deflect it and say, yeah, God is good, isn't he? Or thank you. It's a privilege to be a part of your care and see how God has provided. Because I don't want them to think I'm some wonderful person. I want them to see Jesus Christ. And hopefully that's what you guys will want to. A second thing to strive for is to be a fisher of men. From Matthew 4:19, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So in my workplace, I like to have intentional conversation with patients or coworkers. Throw out bait and see if you get a bite. Um, and so with coworkers, um, clients, patients, we all have difficult times. So sometimes I'll ask, what sources of support do you have in your life? Uh, family, friends, faith. Faith is kind of that generic term that might be a safe term for them to open up and maybe they'll open up and provide a window for you into past experiences with quote-unquote religion or maybe they'll share that they're a Christian and then you can encourage them more as a brother or sister in the Lord. Um, I'll ask, you know, do you go to any particular church? Those are just kind of non-threatening questions but it opens doors and um, perhaps it can lead to deeper conversations. If I'm not talking about difficult things, if the interaction is light and somebody's not in the midst of a trial, when I'm working, I'll just bring up topics that include the Lord just to get people thinking. So in my line of work uh, with the human body, sometimes I'll talk about the miraculous evidences of how the Lord created our bodies. Like for example, how the liver can regenerate itself after injury. That's just an amazing mirror of God's redemption, how something can be wrecked and yet God fixes it and gives a second chance just like he does um, with our lives and salvation. Um, for example, when I'm talking to people before I'm going to circumcise their newborn baby, I'll sometimes just kind of jokingly remark that no matter if I mess up and if I take off too much foreskin or not enough, God in his goodness redeems it and by two months of age the penises all look the same. So, um, <laughs> and it's true. And so it's just like some of those examples where I'll say that to everybody and they'll be like, Oh, she, she believes in God. She's talking about God now, what he does with circumcisions. So anyway, um, sometimes I'll refer to the evidences of the sinful world we live in. And especially when I talk all day in the office to women about various hormone issues, um, because as women, we struggle, uh, whether we're teenagers first starting to have hormones or pregnant or postpartum or women going through menopause and the change. And women will often voice frustration toward God about the struggles of going through hormones and menopause, and they'll say, how could he make it this way? And I try to point out how miraculous hormones are, but then I'll say something like, especially in the Garden of Eden, think of how perfect they would have been. But after the fall, yeah, they're a little wacky for women, but it's not God's fault. It's because of the fallen world we live in. So sometimes just getting people to think and not blaming God for the hard things, but realizing we have sin in this world and we need the Lord. So no matter what bait you throw out, conversation starters, um, what do you say when they take the bait and go further? And that's where I think the next point of using the Holy Spirit's wisdom. Just to trust in the Holy Spirit for words to say and to pray constantly while interacting with that person because he will give you the words. And I like a verse from Matthew where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and warning them of how they'll be persecuted, yet encouraging them not to fear about what to speak. And so from Matthew 10, 19 through 20. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. 
And so even though my conversations in the workplace don't involve persecution, I still feel this verse applies to how the Holy Spirit will give us words, to, what to say to someone when we're sharing the gospel. And we don't need to give in to our own fears and insecurities, but just be obedient and trust that he will help us. And so I also love from 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And so when I'm in the office, um, and sometimes a patient will take that bait, we're at the beginning of a conversation, and I'm just praying constantly. And just like, Lord, help me say what you want me to say. If this is not the time, I don't want to beat them over the head with the Bible if they're not ready. But if they're ready, give me the words. And I'm often amazed how the conversation will steer, steer toward a full gospel message. Perhaps I never thought it would, um, but then it does. And at the end of it, sometimes I have difficulty, I hate to say, but even remembering what I said, but perhaps that's because the Holy Spirit said it. Um, also, uh, fourth point is encouraging people with his word. And so when I have the privilege to be interacting with patients, um, I'll often just mention, you know, it might be a good thing to, to read the Bible. If you haven't read the Bible much, you know, Psalms are a good place if you're struggling with depression. If you need wisdom, Proverbs has good things for wisdom. You guys know that, but a lot of times people you're interacting with don't even know where in the Bible to open up and what to start reading. And for that, a ready reference may be helpful for non-Christians or new believers. They can find something applicable to them. We all know that you have to go deeper than that when you're a Christian, but when the Bible's foreign to you, a ready reference sometimes can be helpful and draw them into reading more of God's word and hungering more for that. And so I remember an example of a coworker that I was working with that was really struggling with anxiety. And I was able to bring her into my office and just open up 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And that's one of my favorite verses. And probably because I remember when I was a young Christian, I didn't know what to read in the Bible. Um, you know, I'd done sword drills and whatever, and, but I didn't always know what to read that might be applicable or how to get to know the Lord more through reading. So I started using a ready reference, and I was amazed at the verses that spoke personally to me, of how Christ cares for me. He died for me. He you know, obviously salvation in life, and it just gave me a desire to know him more. So sharing that with this coworker, um, she was thrilled. She got a ready reference. She's like, ah, oh, all these verses about anxiety. She just wanted to dig in and start reading God's word. So encourage people. After I've talked with patients often about God's word and the Bible, um, I'll give them a tract when they're leaving. Um, just because then there are more verses in there that will steer them to where to read. And I'll often encourage them to read the book of John, um, not starting right with Genesis, because that might get a little deep and heavy once you get to Levit Leviticus especially, but starting with the book of John, as you guys know. And for intellectual skeptics, I'll often give them a copy of Josh McDowell's uh, More Than a Carpenter, just something where if they don't want to read the Bible, but maybe can read some evidences for Christ if they're minded in that way. The fifth thing, um, is inviting. So I'll invite patients to Bible study or church or somewhere where they'll hear the gospel as a follow-up to conversations I've started. Um, or at times, maybe if it just doesn't feel like I can say the words, um, I'll still invite them to church, let the pastor's words, um, or perhaps a kind interaction with somebody that they brush up with at church, hopefully pick up where I left off in uh, planting seeds. And so many people want invitations to church or Bible study. They've probably heard you talking about things with friends, and um, they don't want to say, hey, can I come? But if you invite them, they're often more than willing. And uh, I know um, 
that uh, I've been to places um, like VBS when we've invited some families and then the parents actually come and they're like, oh, this is a nice church building. I never knew which door to come in. Or I was at a jazz concert here for Bozeman High once at Grace Bible where I go to church. And um, I heard some people in the, the pews going, oh, this is a nice, nice building. And just when you have a familiarity, um, perhaps then they're more willing to, to come and see what the church has to offer on Sundays. Um, with patients, sometimes I'll have um, patients who answer, no, I don't really go to church. And I'll just say, well, you're always welcome to come to mine. I go to Grace Bible. Yeah, I know it's a big church. Um, but sometimes that's nice because you can anon be anonymous and check it out. And if you like it, there are small groups you can get involved with and meet people. Um, I have an OB patient who I asked if she had any faith because as myself as a Christian, I'd seen many God sightings and protections in her life with her difficult pregnancy. And she said, no, we don't go for that stuff. And that was fine. She could answer that way. But I just kind of answered back, well, in my opinion, God's going for you because things could have turned out very differently. And I didn't say much more. That time, I didn't give a direct interaction, uh, excuse me, in invitation to church. But perhaps she saw the difference in me or the people at our clinic. And I saw her at Grace Bible several times after that. So you just never know. Um, praying with people. Um, I'll often ask to pray with people um, on, um, on my own. I'll just say, you know, I don't want to offend you, but I would love to pray for you. I can do that on my own, or I'd love to pray with you right now. Um, and partly why that's so important, I remember from my own life, when I was in a college Sunday school class that I attended in the summers, that was the first time of setting in my life where we shared prayer requests, and then the leader prayed right then and there for us individually. I was amazed and touched that someone would care to pray for me and not just say, oh, I'll pray for you, but they actually stopped and prayed right then and there. And you know, perhaps all of us in this room have had the privilege of being prayed for like that, but a lot of people out and about in the world have never had someone out loud pray for them. And so an example comes to mind of a non-Christian patient of mine who I'd known for years, and I'd already established that she didn't have a faith or church interest with my past interactions with her. But she'd had a difficult time with her husband needing a job. And again, I told her I didn't want to offend her, but as a Christian, I would love to pray for her if she was willing. And she said yes. And long story short, uh, her husband got a job one to two weeks later. And when my nurse was calling her about lab results, she said, my husband got a job. It's because Dr. Wheeler prayed. And we know it wasn't because I prayed, but because God is powerful and he can do all things. And we know he doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want them to. But in that case, a seed about God and his goodness and his ability and his power and sovereignty was planted in her. Another example is in my career, um, I delivered babies for 19 years. And by my choice, I gave that part of my practice up this past summer so I could spend more time being a wife and mother. And it's such a privilege to be involved in those uh, hundreds and hundreds of babies that I delivered. And after all of those that I delivered, um, I asked with uh, each couple after the delivery, if I could pray with, with them. Because I felt a need to give God the glory for his provision and not take that precious new baby's life for granted and just how the Lord would protect through the labor process and the whole pregnancy and even through the hard things, just to be in the trenches with them and pray. And I was only turned down probably about five times. And so people are longing for the Lord. They just don't know it. Um, they seem to appreciate prayer for their child during this momentous time in their lives. And I only hope that in those cases, it pointed the patients closer to the Lord. Several of my patients, again, appreciate it because they were Christians or are Christians, 
but several not. And yet I'm hoping again would give them pause to think and thank the Lord for his, his goodness in their life and help them to seek him. Um, the seventh thing then and final is just the importance of abiding with Christ. So obviously you can't share the gospel with people, can't do any of it unless you're staying close to Christ yourself. And so when I'm staying close to the Lord by spending time in his word, praying for people, I'm always more apt to be sensitive to their needs, looking for ways to share the gospel, looking for open doors of discussion. And so from John 15, 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so I just want to encourage all of us to abide with Christ. Spend time with him and he will give you the proper focus in this world to have a heart to share the gospel wherever you are, whatever work you do, wherever the Lord puts you. You'll be more apt to obey him and be bold when opportunities to share the gospel come up. You'll have more of an eternal focus and desire to spend time on things that will last, time with God, his word, his people. Anything we do should be with the goal of obedience and telling about Jesus Christ, loving others, discipling them to, to grow in maturity of faith, and giving God the glory through all of these aspects in our lives. Um, from the Great Commission in Matthew 28, obviously we're all called to be missionaries. And no matter what profession we're in, we can have a heart's desire to share the gospel wherever and whatever environment he puts us. Thank you.